How's everybody doing? Good. Yeah, man, I tell you what. Got a little pep on our step in the second service. I dig it. I dig it. Man, I like it. Good morning. Good to see some new faces here. I haven't seen a couple folks met for the first time. If I didn't get a chance to meet you guys, my name is Casey, one of the one of the pastors here. Guys, thank you guys very much. Daniel on the drums, though, baby, man. What? Dude, I was like, who is that, man? Smack. Who's smacking the skins back there? That's awesome. See you, man. Thank you, dude. Thank you, dude. Thank you, dude. That's our, uh, that's Kyle. He's going to be our youth pastor starting January 1. Come on. Come on. Rock and roll. It's a good time to be alive. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. It's good. Guys, uh, again, man, uh, got, a, got, a, got a great, guys, we've been going through uh, the, the book of Acts for a little while. We're going to take a pause here to kind of reflect a little bit. Uh, we're not stopping necessarily exploring what the early church has to, you know, what we can learn from them, but we're we're looking at some some specific things, some specific characteristics that they had, and we're going to call this series throughout December, put a bow on it. And the reason we're doing that is because God has given us the greatest gift. Amen. I didn't hear you. Amen. So here's the deal, man. God gave us this gift, and yet sometimes we forget that this gift comes with a bow on it. Like, it ought to be obvious to the rest of the world that we are saved, that we are his, that we are like one of the sons and daughters of a king, meaning that you are a prince or a princess, an inheritor of a kingdom. And this is an amazing thing. And yet, amen is right. And so sometimes... Sometimes what we do is we walk around kind of going, oh, man, you know, it's so busy, so tired, so worn out, you know, trying to do so many things. So here's what we're going to do for the month of December. Okay, I want you guys to like this is going to blow your mind because what we've done, I mean, for the last, especially the last half of the year, we've done things like frontier days. We've done things like uh, community events, painting people's houses doing yard cleanups, doing work here at the church, doing all kinds of different things, doing a supply drive for the school. We're doing all, I mean, like trunk or tree. We had 350, 400 people here. It's crazy, bonkers. We had, a, 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 you know, like a turkey giveaway. We had Thanksgiving dinner blessing baskets last month. We've had, I mean, all kinds of things. We've helped people wrap gifts and then we participated in the gift exchange at for the city of Edgerton man we've been so busy so busy so I mean awesome and I'm so proud of you guys but but here's what we're gonna do in December man get ready for this because it's about to get crazy we're gonna do nothing and everybody said amen right <laughs> come on so we're gonna do nothing for a little while that was that we're going to do nothing. And it sounds weird for a church because a lot of times we're like, hey, man, we got to get, yeah, go, keep going, keep going, keep going. We got to keep it. Man, man, God rested on the seventh day. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this month and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna learn to reconnect. We're going to learn to reflect, learn to rest. I'm not saying you can't have parties at your house. Have them. I'm not saying you can't have parties in your minute. Man, have them. But as a church body, we're not going to come down, okay, we're going to do this, 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 and this. Here's why. We need to properly rest and learn to rest with, and, and understand what that means. Because if we don't, the bow that should be ev- like, like evident to everybody, the fact that we are saved and one of his, or we're going to be too worn out to do that. And that's a problem. It's been a problem for me. It's been a problem for you. It's been a problem for all of us. Guys, and God is going to use us mightily in 2017 and not only do we need to rest up for that and get be ready for that but we need to be resting properly to so we can have the energy and the stamina 
to be able to do what he wants us to do next year, right? Amen? I mean, it's an exciting time, man. It's awesome, man. Don't give me... I'm like, I'm like okay, I'm ready to... Re- I'm, I'm resting up now, God. I'm ready to go, right? Like a Monday. It's like... I've got, but I've got... We all have to learn what it means to properly rest in the Lord. So we're going to be going through these four characteristics of... Uh, and here, here are the characteristics. They are... And this is why we say put a bow on it. These bows ought to be ev- like evident, evident to everybody that we've received this gift. The bow of hope, the bow of joy, the bow of peace... And the joy of love. And these were the char- some characteristics that the early church had that were so foreign to the rest of the world. Remember, kind of the, the, the culture that they stepped into was a, a culture, if you will, of, I mean, like religious prudence. Like you had to make sure you do this and do this and do this and do this. And there wasn't any real rest for them. Oh, yeah, they had Sabbath, but you had to do it a, a particular way. And they even got on to Jesus for doing the Sabbath wrong and things like that and i love jesus man he's just like he like blew their minds with his his ease and his love and his joy and his peace and the early church had that hope as well see we often forget that we often forget that we've got to as we live our lives as we conduct ourselves out into the communities and as we serve and as we go and we as we make disciples man we've got to make sure that we have this hope that's evident to everybody and so today we're going to talk about specifically hope. We're going to talk about over the next four weeks the different, the hope and the peace and the joy and the ultimately the love, the greatest of all of these. We're going to talk about hope today. And here's what I want us to do. I want us to kind of keep in mind since we're talking about this Christmas season and we've got all this kind of stuff. By the way, we are going to be resting throughout uh, December, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to be full and ready to be worshiping the snot out of this place, right? Like worshiping God like crazy on on uh, Christmas Eve. We've got two services, 3.30 and 5 o'clock, and we are going to rest on Christmas, which is on Sunday this year. No service on Christmas. Can you handle that? Wait, wait. Wait. Are you telling me? This is going to freak me out, man. There's no service on Sunday? Like, yeah. Right? Church has left the building, baby. And we're going to call it that. So we're going to have Christmas Eve services. And I want you guys to be rested and full of the Spirit. Rested and full of of age. Ready to worship on that day. And spend time with your families on Christmas. Man, do something uh, like with your families. Or if you want to serve somewhere, man, do it. Do do whatever God calls you to do. But you're free, man, to do that. And we're free to do that anyway. It's never about Sunday for us anyway. It's about what we do and how we live the rest of our life. And rest is 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 a part of that. John 3, 16 through 18, I love this. Because some people say, you know, you hear John 3, 16, it gets held up at the, you know, sometimes the goalpost, somebody kicks a field goal, like, John 3, 16. Has anybody ever been saved that way, by the way? Look, I'm going to know that guy. I'm going to know Jesus now, right? Never, but but so we, we kind of tend to do John 3, 16 because it's the most popular one. So, and, I don't, and I've never seen anybody go, gee, I wonder what that is. Like, flip it through. Like, we all know it, right? John 3, 16, so for God so loved the world that he, hey, say, say, say it good now, gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And everybody said hallelujah, right? 317. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Verse 18. Whoever believes in him, circle that word believe in your bulletin is that in your bulletin circle that word believe for a second 
in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned, circle that word, already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, our destiny, our natural destiny, is not to heaven. Our natural destiny is condemnation. It is to, to hell, right? But, but God, he, he sends his Son in order to save us. This is an amazing gift, an undeserved gift, right? It's not something we can work for. And yet we walk around without this evidence in our lives that we've received this gift, right? We don't have the hope that everybody, we have the hope that the rest of the world has a lot of times. Uh, how many people, like, when the election happened a couple, oh, here we go, oh, man, you got to bring that up again, man, right? Like, like some people are like, woo, we're going to make America great again, right? And some people are like, oh, man, I need hot chocolate and hugs and a safe space. I mean, I'm freaked out, right? I'm freaked out, right? It's like, like we put our hope in this election, and yet we look like the rest of the world, and we go, oh, man, thank God, or oh, no, what has happened, Right? Because no, because I'm, I'm t- like like newsflash. I don't think Donald Trump has ever been raised from the dead, and I don't think Hillary Clinton has ever been raised from the dead, nor Jill Stein, nor the other guy that quit smoking through the campaign. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of those guys did that, right? Like we cannot put our hope in that. Our hope must be in Jesus, right? So here's the issue: this whole idea of of this belief and this pastuo and this this. It means that like the word believe in John 3.16 is pastuo. It's a genuine, like I have, I'm going to put my weight on this. Like I, I can't not follow Jesus. It is who I am. And we have this belief and we don't understand it that leads to this great and amazing hope. Let me see if this sounds familiar. And this is one of the reasons I kind of kind of flip out a little bit, little bit when people say, hey, I'm going to accept this Jesus into my heart, right? And I kind of try to talk people out of it. I, I know that sounds weird, but I want to prepare people for the, for, the, for the battles that are coming. You think Satan is going to be happy with you saying, hey, I'm accepting Jesus. He's like, oh, I don't think so, right? Because if I could talk you out of it on Sunday morning and grew in a group of people that absolutely love Jesus, would love to see you follow Jesus, and you, you, if I could talk you out of it then, you got no chance on Monday morning. When you go to school, when you go to work, and you do right? Am I right? Let me see if this sounds familiar. If you want to accept Jesus, all you got to do is pray a prayer to accept Jesus into your heart. And you're saved. Right? Oh, you come forward, say yes to Jesus, those kinds of things, and you're saved. But here's my question. Is any of that in the Bible? No, it's not. That's that, like nobody ever got saved that way, right? Like they, they got saved by a genuine pastoral and belief. It wasn't like, yes, I'm going to accept Jesus into my heart. Okay, cool. I'm saved. Great. Awesome. It's never like that. It was a man. When somebody came forward and somebody got baptized in the, in the first century, they were now the target, not only of the enemy, Satan, but of, but of the, of the world. Man, this is crazy stuff here, right? Like we tend to like, because it's safe and because it's, it's comfortable, man. We could say, okay, yeah, I'll accept that. I don't want to go to hell. You know what I mean? I mean, who wouldn't, right? But that's not what it looks like in the first century church. These people had to band together and said, we're in this together. And there's a characteristic, there's evidence of a saved person. There is a hope, there is a peace, there is a joy, there is a love that doesn't make sense to the rest of the world. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of a test to see. And they're like, hey, wait a minute, man, it's Sunday, ain't supposed to be no school. And I get, I get that, especially college students, I get it. 
But here's the deal, man. I want to ask you a few questions. And I've asked this before, and I've, and I've asked a final question a little bit differently than I'm going to ask it today. But here's what I want you to do. And I imagine with great enthusiasm, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're going to answer these in the affirmative. And I would imagine you would answer them pretty enthusiastically. Because if we understand that we're saved from hell and, and what God has done by sending his one and only son to die for our sin and give us the gift that he has given us, that, man, this ought to, like, flip us out out right so let me ask you guys a question several questions do you believe jesus actually existed all right cool so do you believe that he died for our sins all right cool cool so do you believe that he and this flips me out like i i am amazed by it do you believe that he actually rose from the dead Yes. So do you believe that he, before he came and during his life and after his death, he fulfilled hundreds of prophecies that were written about him, hundreds, even thousands of years prior to him ever coming to the earth? You believe that? Man, that's, that's incredible, right? Uh, do you believe that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant, full word of God? Okay, cool. So do you believe that Jesus, at the proper time, is going to come back for you and for me, his bride, his church, at the proper time, he's going to redeem and make a new heaven and a new earth, and it's going to be the bomb. Do you believe that? Yeah. All right, do you believe that Satan and his demons know all this too? Yeah. All right, now here's my question, and you don't have to answer it yet, but here's my question that I, that I, that I, that I really thought about this week in, in great ways. What I use, used to ask was, what is the difference between you and Satan, right? And I think it's a fair question, right? But here's my question. Why are we so against him? Why are we so against the devil, Beelzebub, Satan? Why are we so, like, like Satan knows that Jesus rose from the dead. Satan knows that the Bible is the inspired, inerrant word of God. Satan knows everything we claim to know and believes those things to be true. Why we got a problem with it? No love, exactly. Boom! Amen. No Christ is Lord, exactly. Man, see, that's the difference, isn't it? That's why I try to tell people, listen, are you sure you understand this? Amen? Man, there's got to be a difference. See, see, Satan, if we're not careful, can infiltrate any church. And he has infiltrated the American church in great, I mean, crazy ways. You think about some of the stuff that, they're, they're, that, they're, that some of the churches are claiming to be true that is not in the Bible, that is, that is, that is against what the Scriptures have to say. It's remarkable. Like, like Satan, with all the full knowledge, and, and even James, you think about this, James even says that the demons even believe that there's one God, and they shudder at that. And do we, as the American church, do we even shudder at that? Like, does that make us go, ring? It should. Because this is a remarkable thing that has happened, and it is an incredible gift that God has given us. And we ought to be walking with some seriously godly swagger in that, man. Not cockiness, but like a genuine confidence and a hope and a joy and a peace and a love that man blows everybody out of the water and it's wonderful to be a part of that see a couple months ago i had this thought that kept running across my mind that we've got to move from the belief that we have to, to pass that like a genuine understanding like a godly christ-like understanding and a walk with that that, that we have such a such a a faith and, a, and such a, I mean, a genuine, like we put everything on 
uh, like everything on the line, we'll put on this Jesus. Like, like we will live our lives with him. And so what I was thinking of through like this whole idea, we've got to move. And the early church was, and you start filling out your bulletins, was beyond belief. The early church was beyond belief. And, and people may came and acknowledged, I'm going to talk about some scriptures here in a second, but people came and acknowledged the facts. They came and acknowledged the facts, even the facts of the resurrection. And sometimes people didn't even, I mean, saw Jesus alive and still didn't follow him. It's amazing to me. See, let's explore the today, just the hope part. Is that cool? We're going to break these down over the next four weeks, but just the hope part. See, the early church we've been studying about had a hope that the world didn't and still doesn't understand a couple passages in the scriptures that come out regarding this whole idea of hope you guys remember we've been talking about peter who with john came to the gate called beautiful and healed a, a lame dude from the time he was like born he was lame and they healed him and they started talking about the the resurrection and the sadducees they came, oh by the way i've got a joke kendra send me a joke did i tell you a joke a couple weeks ago kendra you got this joke right sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection and that's sad you see do it. Very nice, right? So the Sadducees came to, came to Peter and John like, hey, don't talk about the resurrection, right? Don't do that. And they're like, hey, we got to. We can't help us. It's like they're asking us not to breathe, right? And so they did. They flogged them. They, they imprisoned them. They sent them back to, they released them. They, sent them uh, they went back to their people, the church. They, everybody rejoiced. Everybody praised God, even though they were persecuted. Nobody was like, man, we got to stop doing this. Like, no, we got to keep going, right? Because we got a hope that doesn't make any sense to the rest of the world. And, they, and, and God added to their number. He trusted the, those people with, by adding people to his, to his flock daily. And then you've got a guy named Paul that, if you don't know, we're going to introduce Paul here in a little while, uh, or in a, later on down when we start talking about Acts. Paul was a persecutor and a killer of Christians. So Paul, like, along with guys like Peter and John and others like James and Jude, who were actual brothers of Jesus, they later wrote letters to the Christians outlining how to be Christians, how to be followers of Jesus, and they continue to guide us to this day. 2,000 years later, we're still learning from these guys. And in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul writes to the church in Corinth, and he says, starting in verse 1, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the what? Gospel I preached to you. And we just talked about the gospel a little bit, right? You, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you, everybody say if you, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain, man. This is kind of a common theme we're talking about here, right? For what I have received, I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. See, we got to kind of keep this resurrection at the forefront a lot, don't we? And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve, the, the disciples, his, his, his apostles, his disciples. After that, he appeared to more than how many? What? 500 people of, of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living Though some have fallen asleep. So he's basically saying, look, this is a real deal that we get to have our, we can have our, we can stand on this fact, right? And if you don't believe me, go talk to them. They're still around, right? Go, go find them. 
They're still, and this is why people say, oh man, they didn't write, you know, they wrote these, these, uh, the scriptures in the New Testament well after all the, you know, like, like in 200 and 300 AD. It's not true. They were all still alive that saw Jesus, right? That's how we know these things were written during that time. I love this. Then he appeared to James and then all, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born now keep in mind who paul is who's writing this paul was a murderer of christians and i don't know about you guys but i've never murdered a christian and sometimes i still wonder why god would even do what he does to me some people come to a church and they go oh my goodness god would never forgive me for what i've done i've been such a jacked up messed up person right and yet paul was the one that killed his people and yet he used paul in such great and mighty ways wrote more of the new testament than anybody else I mean, God wrote the New Testament, don't get me wrong, but he used Paul to write it more than anybody else, man. Even Paul can be used. Even you can be used, even I can be used, amen? For I am the least of the apostles, is what Paul says, and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. I'm confident. I got a, I got a holy swagger now, man, right? And his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was in me. This is one of the reasons why I'm pushing us not to work on our own strength, but have the strength of God and proper rest so that God can use us in his strength, in his time, in his way. Amen. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how could some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. Just go home. Live your life the way you want, right? If Jesus has not been risen. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have have testified about God that he raised from the dead, but he did not raise them if, if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then the Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. This is an important piece, amen. We celebrate the birth during Christmas time. We celebrate the, the resurrection during Easter time. But I sometimes wonder if like, like celebrating them this way, and I'm not trying to go anti-Christmas and anti-Easter, although sometimes I'd like to. I mean, um, but, 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 but sometimes we Easterize the resurrection, don't we? Right? We Easterize it. I mean, think about this. Jesus comes living a perfect life, dies a horrible death. There's no way he could have survived it, right? right like, is buried and rises from the freaking grave. That should, like, like, freak us out in a great way. Like, oh, man, like, what can man do to me? Nothing. I've just, I've just been saved by the guy that, I mean, I mean, Donald Trump can't even do that, right? Hillary Clinton can't even do that. Like all these people we're putting our faith and our hope and our, and our, our passions in. We, we get, we get our, our happiness from these people that, that don't even have a clue what it means to live a perfect life. I'm not trashing our leaders. Man. I'm praying for our leaders. man. But, but please understand, man, we cannot put our faith in those people. We've got to put our faith in God. We've got to put our faith in the Lord, the one who rose. For if the dead are not raised, Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Those 
Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If that's the case. If only for this life we have hope in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Some of us are coming, man, during this time. It's so hard. I see it on Facebook. I see it on in people's like demeanor and sometimes conversations. Like I'm hurting because people that I love are dead and they're gone and they're not with me and I'm in pain. Guys, listen, I get it. Man, I, we all grieve for grandmas and parents and brothers and sisters and even our children that are not with us during this time. I get that. We, 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 we understand that, right? And some of us are coming in with, it, with great pain, and I understand that. Jesus understands that. And God understands that. But there is a hope that we will see them again. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We have a hope to see them again. I have done funerals that I've had to really, really like not say too much about where they were, right? Because I didn't want to upset the families. But the fact of the matter is, if somebody has not lived their life in such a way, like if they have not claimed to even, even know Jesus, right? There have been funerals that I'm going, I don't know what to say. All I can tell you is if you have any hope at all, it's in Jesus. And here's the thing. If you know people that have fallen asleep, if you know people that have gone away, and passed away from this time, the only hope we have of seeing them again is, is to know and love the Lord. Amen? 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes to the churches at Thessalonica, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus, listen, those who have fallen asleep in him. And everybody said, and Peter writes to the early church that we're still learning from. I love Peter, man. He says to the church, he says, finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with a blessing. That's insane, right? Are you kidding me? All right. No wonder people want to ask, man, you're weird. Well, tell me about why you're so weird, right? Why are you praying for that guy that did you so wrong at work? Why are you asking God to bless that guy? What? Are you kidding me? Why are you serving that guy that, that trash talked to you, man? How dare you? Right? You can't let them do that to you. Man, what is wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me, right? I just got to hope that it doesn't make sense to everybody else. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing for whoever would give life and see good days. He's talking through Psalm 34 here. Must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Who's going to harm you if you're eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are Blessed. Do not fear their threats. Don't fear what they fear, in other words. This is what the, one of the translations I read said. But do, do not be afraid. That's one of the most, that is the most frequently commanded scripture in all of scripture. Don't be afraid. Have courage. Don't fear them. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 
sometimes, uh, every once in a while, man, if you feel like it, if you ain't too sleepy, too busy, too tired, too overworked, too unrested, as long as you ain't got nothing better to do, always, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you, to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. It ain't like, man, you're going to go to hell. I'm going to heaven, man. Screw you, right? No, no, it's not like that. It's not like that at all. Woo, you're going to go to hell for what you're doing. Hey, we're all destined to that until we get a Savior. We do this with gentleness and respect. Let me tell you why I have the hope. Let me tell you why I have this peace let me tell you why i have this joy let me tell you why i have a love that you don't understand do this with gentleness and respect keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in christ may be ashamed of their slander and we don't have to point it out to him either how you feel now talking to me like no we don't let god do his thing man let god do his thing For it is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. See, if we put our hope in the things that everyone else puts their hope in, that everyone else does, no one will ask us about ours. I'm freaked out about the elections. Or, whoo, man, America's going to be good again. No. The only thing that's going to make us great is Jesus. Our hope, the bow, must be obvious to the world amen we put our hope in a lot of things man we put our hope in this election put our hope in thing but man republicans and democrats can't be relied on hope can't rely on jill stein can't rely on the dude that said he's gonna quit smoking weed till he got elected whatever pastors and churches organizations can't give us the hope jesus can i pray that you don't put your hope in me i pray that man because i want to disappoint you i'm in need of a savior i'm in need of a constant like god reminder that i'm his our families our kids our parents our brothers our sisters and that we live with or don't live with our nuclear our extended families can't give us the hope that jesus gives we just can't Our marital status, our parental status, our ability to have or not have children can't give us the hope that Jesus can give us. Our jobs, our homes, our bank accounts, our credit scores, the CEO of Experience did not raise from the dead. It is Jesus. Amen? The reason we align ourselves with God and not Satan is that Satan has no hope. Satan has no joy. That's ours. Satan has no peace. We do. Amen? Satan has no love. We do. Jesus is our Lord, not his. And we got to be on, on mission for that. Amen? Father, we love you. You've had an amazing day today so far. And you have, a, you have built... God, this is your church. You are building an amazing, incredible church. May we never forget who is the builder of this. 
May we never stop understanding that this is your people, you're bringing these people, and it is not some human ingenuity or marketing strategy that is bringing people in. These are your folks, Lord. May we walk in you, have a hope in you, have a joy in you, have a faith in you, have a belief in you, have a love in you. God, you came and you humbled yourself to come as a person, as a baby. You lived a perfect life. You died for our sins. You rose from the freaking grave. Are you kidding me? And yet, many of us get so busy doing different things, Lord. And they might even be good things, but they're not things you want us to do. And God, may we never get caught up in any of that. May we properly rest and properly, properly work our tails off for you. God, it is in your son's amazing and incredible and beautiful name. All God's people in the house said, amen. Amen.